Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I love to share their stories because, look, I love when women shine and they own their story. And when they do that, it gives permission to all the rest of us to do the same. So I'm super excited to have my virtual friend whom I've never met in real life, but I feel like I've known her forever, Josie Morgan on the show today. Thank you so much, Josie, for being here. Thank you, Susan. I'm so excited to connect with you, and I do feel like we're fast friends and to get the opportunity to speak to you and the audience. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to share a little bit about you with the world. So why don't you tell us about yourself? Sure. So right now I am the Director of Business Development and Administration at Boyer Miller, which is a law firm in Houston, Texas. We have just under 50 employees and I handle all of the strategic marketing efforts as well. I manage all of the operational departments. So that's our accounting, IT, facilities, and uh, really just try and keep everything under control, including HR, hiring, recruiting, and those kinds of things. So it's an excellent place to work. And I've been there for two years, just over. And uh, prior to that was at another law firm for a little over eight years. So I've been in the industry and around and doing this for a while and have had a background in hospitality as well. I can totally see that background in hospitality coming through. It's really great. I love that about you. You have an amazing personality uh, and your communication style is very friendly, welcoming, open. I want to say though, how odd it is. It struck me as odd that um, you have the gifts. Let me tell you to, to work with operations and marketing, which are usually, you know, competing for dollars or for attention. You have the gift to walk both sides of that um, aisle, if you will. That's pretty incredible. Um, has that ever been a struggle or does that come easy to you? Well, you know, it's one of those things, maybe it's just being a woman. I've always sort of been the, um, the mom, the mother hen. And so I think of everybody as my little ducklings, some of my old ducklings, but gathering everybody, the, building camaraderie, um, executing and developing all of those things, they all go hand in hand, especially with a firm our size. So you're exactly right to pinpoint that the monetary amount can be a struggle. But what I would say is that I have the support of really all of the leadership and um, so many that are vocal from every level within the firm to be bold, to be different, to be visible, and that if the money's set aside, sure, we should do marketing. We should, for example, this year, we threw ourselves a 30th anniversary party. Um, lucky for us, that was in February when people were still gathering. Um, but yeah. those are the types of things that we get to do and celebrate and that there isn't a push and pull between spend money, cut money, um, but it is wearing all the hats and many yeah. hats. And sometimes I think I do struggle with being stretched thin. I came from a big team. There were 23 people in the marketing and business development group at my last company. And so that was a big transition to be the one, the decision maker. And I'm fortunate that I sit on the executive committee in this role. And Boyer Miller has really um, taught me up, trained me, and given me an opportunity to flourish through that. And so I, um, I still think of it as a new opportunity because I haven't mastered it but I love what I'm learning every day and what it's teaching me about myself. 
That's amazing. So it's really great that you have the seat at the table. And I think that's critical to success of every firm. Most don't recognize that. And so you are very fortunate. You must have proven your capabilities. Um, so that's really great. Another thing I want to point out is you mentioned that you're uh, like the mother hen and what have you. That's another way of saying that women, how we communicate differently is that we are collaborative. We are seeking feedback, input from others. We want to make sure everyone on the team, regardless of pay grade or title, has some um, has a voice, you know, and is heard and able to contribute. What a positive trait that is that you have. And I find that not um, to slam men, they have other traits that that are different and we just communicate differently. Mostly men are hierarchical and more competitive in the business. Uh, than women. Women are very collaborative. So what a good example that is. Um, you're an amazing businesswoman, but I want to give a shout out to you, the friend, the mom, the sister, the daughter, the wife. Um, you're all of that at all times. And I think we fool ourselves when we pretend we can be one title at a job from nine to five and then everything else the rest of the day. So... <laughs> It is hard to balance it all. I feel actually that I compartmentalize. So while I'm home, uh, in normal circumstances, I am the wife and the mother, and that's what I am all day, every day. And I love taking care of my family, and um, I do quite a bit to keep it running and going, and I love that role. But then I walk out the door, and I'm clean, and I don't have applesauce on me or stickers <laughs> in my hair. And I do. I turn into work Josie, and, and it's so nice um, to go for what you want in that professional scenario. And I feel very fortunate um, that I had a husband that supported that. It, you know, the opportunity to move to Boyer Miller came up. And if he had said, you know, how would we do that? And I, you know, I was the one that had doubts. How would I take on this step up role? And he was the one that said, we'll figure it out. And, and we have. And so it's, um, you know, making sure that you have the right team. And for me, that's my entire family. But I, um, I have a big sisterhood as well that had had supported that and I think of sisters as my two blood sisters um, which is really neat to have I have a great mom and a um, maternal grandmother who has passed away but was a great inspiration there but all of the women and some of them are my working mom friends and some of them are my mom friends who aren't working and some of them are uh, bosses that I've had previously and so to have somebody say I think you should go for it is really neat I love that you talk about your team. Um, so you have buy-in and support at work, um, a seat at the table, as we mentioned, and you have buy-in and support at home. So you are very fortunate. I do interview a number of successful women and their success has often come at a price where they're either mm -hmm. divorced or never could have children or in order to get up uh, in the C-suite where they wanted to be, they had to make such personal sacrifices that um, so it looks like you have it all and you're keeping the plates spinning and the balls juggling and that's super impressive. I also know you're very involved in your community. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And I'll react to your prior statement first. We will unfold later in this how I'm not keeping it all together and how it doesn't <laughs> all say, um, I, I think I have a struggle with perfection. I'm, I'm far from perfect. I like to maintain that appearance like to the point where um, in some of my volunteering, I've even taught etiquette classes and, oh, wouldn't it be perfect if, uh, but that is not not who I am and, and one day will never be. But I often wonder what will I be and who will I be and if it's five to 10 years and I want to meet me in 10 years. So maybe we should have a follow-up and see. I would you know, love it was that. Me. Um, my children went right into daycare 
when I went back to work from maternity leave and, you know, I thought, oh, it's so hard to leave them. Well, when they were small, they didn't know I was gone. And so I could take on new things. And while the time away from them was hard, it meant that when I couldn't be there, my husband had to do something with them or my mom got to do something with them. And if I didn't say I can't do it, neither of them would get that opportunity. And so it's very interesting now, okay, they want me there and my kids need me more. How am I going to do that and balance it all? So I'll be interested to listen to more of your podcasts and hear what women are doing um, at a different career juncture, because right now I have all of those great check boxes. I'm married, I have kids, I have a great job, it's full time, it's out of the house. Um, But there are fewer and fewer women who are able to do all of that and be happy, right? And the part that I'm admittedly missing is that time for myself, which I say I don't need until I realize I haven't had it. I would much rather be in a room full of 300 people than ever do anything by myself until I get overwhelmed. And then I go, oh, what does Josie look like? So that was just a reaction to your last comment. But I, I actually am very passionate about giving back and um, trying to do a lot of things. And that's one area that um, as I got more involved with work and with kids and and with a busy life, there are areas that I've really prioritized because they mean so much to me. So um, I'm on uh, the board of Young Audiences of Houston. I currently sit on their executive committee as the secretary. And they are a wonderful organization that brings arts education to schools and hospitals and parks. And they're a national organization. So whoever listening may have that in their own city. And I've been an active member of the Junior League of Houston for over 13 years. I had the opportunity to sit on their board of directors and Junior League is different in every city. But what I would tell you is that I was surprised at the depth of women that I found who were giving back, volunteering, managing their world. The Houston League is over 84% working. And that was one surprising place that I found I could ask working moms questions where I couldn't ask a coworker at the time when I was having children, I could ask someone else who was working. And it was amazing in the support. And that I think is what got me to my next juncture because with that group, I got to lead a council of 25 women. I got to be on the board. I got to give presentations. And when I was applying for this new job, they said, okay, how big's your team? Tell us about you. And I couldn't say that I'd led a big team at my last company, which was hundreds of people. And here they were asking me to lead a team of almost 20. But well, I've done that in my volunteer life. <laughs> um, and then also our industry organization, Legal Marketing Association, it's a great group. I was um, fortunate to get to lead the Houston chapter and sit on different committees, marketing and, and the planning part of that. Um, but it, it is so neat. This podcast is about giving back to women. I really like to do the pay it forward Um, Yeah, many audiences and things that have been meaningful to me. And obviously, Junior League is a women's organization, Young Audiences is an arts organization, and then Legal Marketing, the the group that I participate in, you know, that's career minded. So I think it's really neat that Houston has all these different opportunities. I want to say something about that. Um, Two things I want to go back a little bit. Um, You struck me with your uh, comment that we should revisit you in a few years from now and see how you feel about the new, new normal and where you are as your kids are you know, older, more independent. I love that thought. I love that concept. Maybe I should have like an anniversary podcast show where I revisit some of the guests, but on that line of thinking, in that line of thinking, what would the Josie we know now tell the Josie from five years ago 
Um, what piece of advice would you give your younger self, maybe learning um, from what you've experienced? So you say it ethereally, I do it a lot for those people who, whether it's younger in calendar age or younger in career progression, um, I, I love to give advice and I always say, you're gonna get a lot of input. I just want you to have all the information, you know, take it for what you want. Um, and people do that with every scenario, you know, right after you've had your wedding, you go and tell somebody, you could do this, here's a great planner, wedding florist, whatever it is. Um, you know, for me, for the career progression and the, the kid progression, um, my younger self, I would say, give yourself grace. One of my great friends taught me about grace for myself because I am a doer. I am a say yes kind of person. I'm a joiner and I love doing that. And it got to the point where I really can't do it all. And so admitting that to myself and saying, I'm going to do less and I'm going to do what I can. And I may not be able to do it a hundred percent of what the way Josie would do it. And I think you hear a lot of people um, say, for example, have your friends over to a messy house, have them over to a frozen meal versus let's clean up the house, put dinner on the table, it'll be warm just out of the oven, you know, open up that bottle of wine and sit out on the front porch with no makeup versus I showered and straightened my hair today and doesn't my lip gloss look great? And so the places that I'm not going to settle now, I I've stuck to those. Whereas the places that I can give myself grace and say, you know what, 75% of Josie's effort is really, it's just okay. You know, maybe it was nice to do 100%. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is quality versus quantity. So yeah. quality time with your family, uh, quick check-ins with a friend via a text message versus, you know what, we didn't get to do our dinner that we usually did, which, you know, was girls dinner three hours once a week. That's just not the kind of thing that I can right now. That doesn't mean I don't love those people in that time, uh, but it's a season, I hope, um, and that friendships that have less time will come back and are still there in a meaningful way. Um, Let me just say something there, Josie. Um, you pointed out a few things. You said it differently than I would, but you said the same core message. Um, you know, people who are spiritually mature and, you know, um, in their careers as well. They're more mature in their careers. They're further down the path. They learn these lessons that good and done is better than perfect and pending, right? <laughs> I need so, that on a billboard somewhere. Yes, exactly. And, you know, you, you don't always have to, what, what your idea of perfect is may not be the same idea of perfect in the receiver's mind. So since the receiver always makes meaning of your message, hey, you know, those friends may not care if your house is Im impeccable or those guests may not care that this was Stouffer's frozen family style lasagna <laughs> that you served yes. them. And, uh, you know, I always pretend I worked hard and just, you know, oh, woe is me. I spent all day making this lasagna. Well, you know, it still takes 70 minutes to cook in the oven. So that counts, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, all these are really great lessons. And I love that you seem to sit with reality and look forward, but also look back and then apply what you've learned from looking back to your current present state and use those lessons as you move forward. Well, um, let me ask you, you've had a really robust career. I think that um, I personally do better in a position like you are, where I have a lot on my plate and I'm 
you know, a lot of trains Love being busy. Exactly. A lot of trains are leaving the station and I'm keeping them on time. I do better with that kind of broad visionary strategic approach than the, here's your one task, your one, you know, you're in charge of the tactics for this one initiative. I, I, I do much, but I think again, that's our ENFJ uh, personalities. But um, let me ask you along this great ride that you've been on and you know, I should say, give you credit. You, you have been the conductor on this train, not just ridden the train, but the conductor. What was your proudest professional accomplishment? So it is very interesting being in marketing. It's always been my job to make other people look good. And so I'm a little bit of the puppet master behind the scenes. And so there's an element of, I like it when other people look good. That's a, a great proud moment. And so that's all day every day and so I love that but one of the things that I could speak to that really felt like me and also still with a group was shortly after joining Boyer Miller they had been talking about starting a women's initiative and so two of the other females attorneys and I got together and developed a mission and created an outline and decided what would that be and how would that work so that has felt like a really big success and I would say a little more recent um, certainly developed in 2018 and then really throughout 2019 helped it grow, but to empower women both inside of our organization and also something that you don't always see, to spotlight women that are in our peer organizations, at our clients, at our vendors, and to get to support women in the industries that they're in as well. And that felt that. like a really good, good spot. And, and I think a reason that you and I connect so much because it was something that I was excited about but it was because I was empowering other people that it made it feel really good. Absolutely, absolutely. We are givers, I would say. We are givers and it makes me feel good. Um, so, so when I do something for you, if you do something for me, the transaction ends and that's it. But if I do something kind for you and then you do something kind for others, that becomes a relationship that pays forward time and time again. And I think that's how women like you and me move the needle. And that's why I do this show. And that's why I do what I do for a living. And that's what I do uh, when I host these events that I do once a year. So you and I are speaking the same language. I love that. Um, and your passion for it shows and that's what's contagious. I think that's, that's what makes it and contagious in a positive sense. I should frame oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I come up with a different word uh, makes that powerful and continue forward. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I would not have met the wonderful women like you that I've met on this journey if I were just about the transaction, you know. Um, so I'm glad we're of the same heart and of the same head. And, uh, you know, before we get too far down in this conversation, I want to give a shout out to the Houston Junior League because, um, you know, I don't think that all the places where I've lived, the business women that I interact with understand what that each and every junior league is different. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, I, I know a lot of junior league moms, a lot of junior league wives, a lot of junior league single women, a lot of, mm -hmm. but I will tell you the, the, the number of business women in the Houston junior league. I mean, it's powerful. I know some serious. Powerful 
Right. It is not just your uh, well-kept country club stay-at-home wife who's now <laughs> lonely because her kids have moved out. No, these women get it done. I know. Yeah. I know a lot of them. I went to, um, I was a cap at LSU, but I also um, went to high school with, with a lot of women who now live in Houston and they are um, all involved. Some are working at the junior league. Others were on the board or just are active members. So folks, for those of you who have an idea or your own idea of what the Junior League is and does, you may or may not be right on with that because this powerhouse group of women can move mountains. And you don't, look, you want their support. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do not have to so much and the, the women there to demonstrate, you know, their qualities and to see how they put it into action but then what it's taught me about myself, it's just been the best swirl that I could have created. So I, well, I've been involved a while and I've loved it. Good. I just wanted to give them a shout out because, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people underestimate the power of those junior leaguers. And I'll tell you what, I know quite a few that I would never underestimate with personally <laughs> or professionally. So I'm so glad uh, that's true. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You are such an inspiration to others. And that's how I met you as one of our mutual friends is inspired by you, moved by you, looks to you for leadership example. Um, and I'm so glad that she introduced us. But someone or maybe more than one person has inspired you and mentored you. Who are those people? Yeah, that's a great question because it actually, to me, is not just one person. It takes me seeing myself in somebody for me to admire them and want to follow them, but also to see how we're different so that I can grow. And so um, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it, you know, it's a conglomerate of a big sisterhood. It's current coworkers, it's past coworkers, it's former bosses that challenge me, ask me to take on something that they think I'm ready for. Um, see something in me that maybe I don't see in myself and you know the power that believing in somebody really has made a difference in me and so to have mostly women but it does take some male champions um, to help bring you up and um, you know it's everything from um, my husband took a new job and we had to move outside of the city and actually to a different city so he could commute one way and I could commute and I said how am I going to do this I'm such a city girl and I'm used to living close by and I was working with a couple of different people at that point, and I thought, you know, she's she's getting it done. She's got a demanding job. She always, you know, looks perfectly appointed when she arrives. She commutes. She hasn't had to sacrifice, you know, these things. And it was a different time in my life to have to move when we did that. It was just a year long. Um, but same thing with being a woman who had not yet had kids. I looked at other women who were doing it and were getting it done, and I said, okay, if she can do it, I'm going to ask her how. And, um, and I think in that career growth as well, when people say, here's what you're doing well, and here's where you need to grow, and here is the challenge I'm going to put before you and see how you rise. And so um, That's it has awesome. taken a village to get me to who I am. I don't think it is, you know, a lot of people are very self-motivated. I am very peer-motivated and very group-motivated, and I want to prove it to the group. And so very it has taken nice. a village to get me here. Well, let me say that's the perfect segue to my next question. Um, you talked about lifting and rising and so forth, and that is my business model. Sure. I personally have that strongly held belief that men and women need to help lift women up, not put us down, which has been historically the case uh, for the greater um, part of our history. 
how do you think, even if it's a small way day to day, you know, it doesn't have to be earth shattering because I think every little step moves the needle. How do you think we can um, support other women in business? Yes. So I think I am at a career juncture where it's letting people know that what opportunity is out there and what they do well and coaching them as a friend. So it could be everything from you know, a couple of my peers, um, a recruiter came after me to see about a new opening. And I said, I'm very happy where I am. I have some great women that I'd love for you to consider. And I did, I gave them their names and one of them ultimately got the job. And there are times when it's a, you know, job progression, or I was able to nominate a dear friend for an award, which she was very qualified for and watch her walk across the stage to win that award. And so it takes someone else championing them I think it is inherently female to not boast about ourselves. And so as the champion, mother hen, cheerleader, whatever it is, I love championing other people. And that may be for something they either know they want or something they don't know they want yet. And so that can be for job or extracurricular that would help make them a little bit more diverse um, or just listening and, and encouraging them to give themselves grace because that was a lesson that I needed. Um, it is that little step. I've, I've not proposed anyone to be the CEO or the head of the stock exchange or any giant grandiose <laughs> thing, but I have let them have their own accomplishments and encouraged them along the way. And, you know, that actually doesn't just revolve around business. It can be everything from kid, you know, they're applying for something. They've got a scary doctor's appointment they've got and just checking in with them. And I think being a friend to know you're not alone in this. Um, and That's there's awesome. many elements of women's lives that need support from other women other than just their careers. I think careers are important and I love that mission, but, but sometimes knowing that um, I've, I've got your back or I'm here for you in that other hard thing that you're going through is uniquely women. Yeah, so I love that you had the courage to bring that other aspect up outside of just women in business. Um, I am focused on women in business, but like we said earlier, you can't separate who you are. You're your whole self all day, every day. You can't be at work nine to five and forget that your kid is at home with a fever 102. You know, so I love that you said that. It is about our authentic selves wholly. I mean, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly. So, or holistically, as some might say. Um, you also made a really great point. Um, I don't think I've ever had a guest say in general terms who inspired them or motivated them or was their mentor like you just did. That is amazing. You're definitely giving credit to the greater good and the big village that it does take to help make us who we are at our highest and best selves. Most people pick a person or two people, but I love what you said. I kind of <laughs> think that if I were ever asked that question, like people rarely interview me, but if I were interviewed and asked that question, I would, would gravitate you exactly like you did. I mean, I would gravitate. Now, I, I actually give a big shout out to my father, which shocks people because they think because I represent so many women in business that it would be a woman who inspired me. No, for me, I never had anyone. I actually had everyone along the way. Yes. I didn't have anyone in particular. Now, my dad really was supportive and he was what um, I like to think allies are in the cause. Mm -hmm. um, but that's only because it was me. I recognized some old school, old fashioned chauvinism in my dad and I called BS on it. And he recognized it and thought, 
do. You know, you're my child. You can do as much as your brothers, maybe more. You know, why am I pigeonholing you, typecasting you, uh, stereotyping you? Um, and I called him on it. And we, you know, we had a really good, rela he died when I was 30, but we had a really good relationship because we treated each other as adults. I wasn't daddy's girl, like people seem to think. Uh, and, and I wish, I wish that would have been really fun. But no, he was, his, he was very demanding and I had to make good grades and his expectations mm -hmm. were high. But the reason I appreciate that is oftentimes we expect that of our sons and not of our daughters. Um, you know, a lot of my friends were, I'm going to go to college and then get married. I mean, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also nothing wrong with those of us who want to keep on going down that career path and look at marriage later in life. So I love that you said that again, we are connecting at a, a much deeper level than most people connect. So I see me and you and vice versa. Um, well, I think you made an interesting point because male allies are really so important to help the promotion of women in business. They're probably yeah. not the person to go to if you want working mom advice. Maybe it is, you know, more dads are taking an active role. So that could be a, a different thing. But having male allies and male inspiration, you know, I am the only female on our executive team, but that means that the other men in the room are championing women as much as yeah. they're championing men. And so it's very important. And I think to surround yourself with men who, empower women may be the trick because women and not undoubtedly because obviously there are some who don't but men who can also support women and women who can support women may make the right mix up of i agree the storm i totally agree and i call those people sponsors and there is a difference yes. between sponsorship and mentorship and i actually am married to a person who uh, came from the military. He's a litigator. He's been a CEO, a COO, and all those typical hierarchical uh, leadership traits were evident in him and his leadership style. But now, having been married to me for quite a while, he has incorporated a lot of transformational leadership skills. And he now has, um, I think it's 15 department heads and 13 of those department heads are women. So he has learned um, the ways of integrating, uh, you know, so, the respect. So you championed women by training your husband to champion women. <laughs> he would love to hear you say training him, not. No, but yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> your influence, your influence. good deeds. Yeah, people say, wow, you've had such a, um, a big impact on him or you've taught him well or, you know, a teacher is only a good teacher if the student is willing to learn. So the student gets as much credit for the receiving as the teacher does for the giving. Um, let me ask you this, because we're both real women and we're totally open, honest and direct. I find my Southern friends to be way more. Um, once you get to know them, they will tell you like it is. Now, on the surface, we're always polite. We're not going to dip our toe where it doesn't belong. But once you get that, once you dip, uh, once you dive in the water, let's just keep up with that analogy, mm -hmm. then you're going to, you know, tell, it's cold in here. This, you know, this water is, you know, not comfortable or whatever. They're going to be honest. So I'm going to ask you, tell us honestly what maybe has been a challenge or a setback. And then what was the lesson from it? Because, you know, we win or learn, never lose. What, what would you um, say to that question? So I think the very apparent thing in my mind right now is we are in the midst of stay-at-home work orders for COVID and I am a full-time working parent with a full-time working husband and two young kids. They're two boys, seven and four, and I am trying to be it all 
And I think I've read a lot of really cool articles where we're talking about, you know, this isn't work from home, this isn't homeschooling, this isn't vacation. And so figuring out that challenge right now is very here and now for me. I am a very devoted employee. I get my work done, but it is while entertaining, and maybe the cartoons are the ones that are entertaining and teaching our children at the same time. And it's everything from, you know, I don't usually cook three meals a day in the house and entertain them and have, you know, all of this time. It's a challenging time for parents, and I'm sure it's a challenging time for individuals. Um, I feel very fortunate that I'm at home safe and healthy, and we're, we're very um, in a bubble right now. So the, the reality that I'm dealing with in terms of challenge is just the mental and physical challenge and not you know, isolating that from what the rest of the nation is going through. So I don't mean to diminish that, but uh, to be a devoted employee who is pulled and to figure out how do I keep inspiring and connecting with my children? And when I haven't had five minutes away from him and I'm used to, um, and so it is a challenge that I have not yet mastered. I'm four weeks into quarantine and so adjusting um yeah. you, know, you know maybe medicate, me... <laughs> medicating with cookies and wine those kinds of things <laughs> uh, and this too shall pass but I'm one of those people who does not dwell on challenges so as I thought about prior challenges all of them you overcome you dust yourself off and you get up and so this is the one that felt the most real to me and that I know a lot of people are struggling with right now. And some days are good days and some days are bad days. And actually that can change on a dime. So um, well, I know I'll a lot say of people are going through that. I think what you've just shared is common among so many who are struggling with this new reality that we're in. I personally have been in quarantine or homebound for two months now because I wow. had to get tested for COVID-19. I was sick and they thought I might have it. And this was before the results came back instantaneously. It took seven days. Uh, and I'm not a very nervous, anxious person. I wasn't worried. But still, I wanted to know. Um, so that was not, not a good time for me. But I want to tell you, I have, I have this um, these friends who have come together to provide resources for men and women who are stuck at home and have their children and not just to look at the rosy side of this, because you do have to address the tough, dark side of this. If you don't, it will, you know, manifest in very unhealthy ways. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like you, I've been medicating with the um, slice and bake and the, <laughs> the Bloody Marys. <laughs> it helps so much. It helps so much. <laughs> it does. It does. I think insurance <laughs> could cover the cost of that. But, sure. um, <laughs> but I One have. One other thing that I would expand on, um, which, which is a challenge, and I just want to be, uh, since I'm hopeful there's at least one other person that will listen to this, um, but I have a son who is special. We don't have a special needs diagnosis, but he has received numerous therapies since before the age of two. And part of that challenge is he is in a specialty school which provides services um, really for all, all manner of, of different things, but social play therapy and speech therapy in particular that he desperately needs. And so I, sh I have struggled and it has been an ongoing challenge. Um, I do feel fortunate that we found a new school for him this year. And so that challenge, while it has not alleviated itself has been and will be present in my life for a long time. And so not just being a working mom, but a mom that has to provide 
scheduling and times for additional appointments and therapies and doctors and specialists for my son and, and wanting so much to, um, I would say the first thing I would want to do is help him. The second thing that any parent wants is, you know, it'd be great if you were normal. And, and he's never, he, he's, he's wonderful and he is fine and he is healthy. And then there's also so much help that he still needs. And so I would just say that for anyone who's listening who um, struggles with that and has the mental burden of that, it is a joy to watch him thrive in um, a scenario where he's getting lots of help. And that, being disconnected from that at this time, is tough because obviously there's a reason that we chose to put him in a specialty school and I am not a specialty service provider. So I want to be inadequate, you know, for yeah. to, to play with a four-year-old, you know, Legos I got, uh, hide and seek I got, but to not give him really what he needs right now has made it another layer of challenging. Um, so I want to comment on that. I, I want to introduce you to someone who is remarkable. She has spearheaded uh, that kind of cause for individual unique care for those uh, whose children do have these specialty needs, as you say, they're not, you, you, you know, every, it's one mind at a time, right? Every child is different. Every relationship with that child is different and should be, and should be nurtured as such. So when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to make an email introduction to one of the most remarkable women I know. She happens to be a lawyer here, but she's also a, um, uh, an elected official and she's also, well, she's running now. She, she was on a, a board, but now she's running for another office. But she has a nonprofit that helps moms and par or dads, parents, who um, face these special challenges that you are facing just in your everyday life. And they're now exponentially more challenging in this COVID-19 cri COVID crisis, I should say. Um, so thank you for being- That would be so wonderful. You bet, you'll love her. She's one of my very good friends here in California. She's super smart. Um, she is not afraid to, you know, be mom first. You know, I love that. So many moms have gotten a bad rap. Um, we just don't get paid for our work as moms, you know. <laughs> I, I, I would be, you know, one of the top 10 best paid people on the planet if, if it, you know, because I devoted my entire um, last 18 years to my son and it, it worked, you know, he turned out pretty great. But let me ask you this. Um, you're a fascinating woman. I'm so fortunate to know you. I have you on speed dial. When I email you, you reply. Uh, we're connected on Facebook. Are you willing to open yourself up to advise, refer, hire, just listen to, uh, connect with people who may not have known you before? And if so, how can they reach out to you? Sure. So, um, you know, LinkedIn's probably the best place to find me. Uh, and then if you go to the Boyer Miller website, my email is listed there as well. So um, both of those are areas. And I, I do like welcoming new friends. Um, I do, as I said earlier, have to give myself grace. And I realize when I prioritize certain things. So if it's a, a new person reaching out, I may not respond as quickly as Susan, who I have a relationship with, who needs an answer for me right now. And then sometimes I put some things to the side and say, I want to I would devote some time to that when I have, you know, a, I'm not saying months, but I'm just saying it may not be the quick turnaround that you always get. From and you need that. People like you and me who are givers extraordinaire, we need to set boundaries and we need to 
carve actual time out on our calendars to say me time, even if we don't yet know what to do with it. It might be go take a hot bath with candles and some new age music, or it might, <laughs> you know, might be get on the Peloton, which no, it's never that for me. But, um, <laughs> you know, you have to take, please, please take care of Josie, because if you don't take care of Josie, you're not here to take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent point. All right. Well, you're so awesome. And um, I want to know one last thing about you that here, here's the deal. So I know you, the woman who introduced us knows you even better. Your family knows you. What is something surprising about you? Maybe a surprising or interesting fact about you that even those people don't know. Well, probably the people that know me closest do know this, but I have a very interesting fact that I used to work on board a cruise ship and oh, I got to travel all over the world. And it's where I met my now husband who was also working on board a cruise ship. So That's that awesome. hospitality, that hospitality side and that let me make your day better. And can I get you another cocktail? is inherent in me. Um, my sweet friends from college used to call me the cruise director. I did events and planning and got everybody going. And my sister one day sent me an advertisement they had in our local paper back when job postings were still in the paper and said, you should do it. You should really go. And so I worked on board for a little over two years and did two seasons in the Mediterranean, a season in Bermuda, three transatlantic crossings, Panama Canal, I uh, went to go visit my husband after he got stationed on another ship and I got to see the Norwegian fjords and did quite a bit of the Caribbean. Aww. So um, my my days are a little different now. We got to travel together and parasail yeah. in France and toboggan down the side of the hill in Portugal and eat mussels off the street in Turkey. And um, it's it's interesting now being in quarantine together because five days on board when you're doing a transatlantic crossing, you don't touch land for many days and it's sort of Groundhog Day over and over again. It's yeah. a lot like this with a less pretty view. Um, but the fact that I survived, that was about a week into our dating, survived five days of captivity with him then and still liked him. And now we've been in, you know, a month. Um, so that, that was my past. I hope that, that you take this in the spirit that I mean it, but when I was in legal marketing and I was transitioning from, uh, so, so my background in financial services was very high up, VP, business development, that sort of thing. Um, but when I moved back home after, you know, life circumstances that came my way that were, you know, you go home, that's what we do, we go home. So I moved home and I had to start over in legal marketing. And so I went back to marketing from sales. So back to marketing from business development. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was asked to do things like, you know, can you put a logo on this golf shirt? I would say, I'm sorry, but I'm not Julie, the cruise director on the love <laughs> boat. Instead, I can help you with your win-loss ratio and the metrics by which we measure success. And, you know, marketing is actual academic discipline. Um, but if you want someone to print logos on things, I'm not your person. So it's so funny that you say that. because. <laughs> and I well, love was very popular with the dynamic of people that were on board. And they would often say, you're Julie. And I said, yeah. no, it's Josie. They said, no, but you're the Julie. I said, but yeah. the name tag, my name tag says Josie. So um, it was so a lot funny. of fun. And I met some wonderful friends who are all over the world now. And, you know, that again is a part of my tribe. They, they taught me. I love um, it. things about myself 
in that in that moment and really to this day you know some of them were the moms that were having kids before my friend group here was or things like that and so to have that connection um, but but also to know that I love traveling with my husband you know I mean that is something that a lot of people wait until they're older you know we were in our 20s and enjoying life um, and the fact that he was another American um, was very rare so the fact that we we fell in love on the high seas I love that what a great story um, I wanted to ask you, and I hope this is okay that I asked. This was not a question that I planned on asking, but now that I know you were Josie, the cruise director, um, <laughs> I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on, you know, I know cruising is like a city on the sea, you know, so they have their own morgue, they have their own hospital, their own um, way of doing things. It's, it's really literally like a floating city. What do you think about cruising now? What will COVID-19 do? Because I know a lot of, I mean, we had one here in San Francisco Bay, you know, the princess, I think it was, that, mm -hmm. um, you know, harbored a lot of coronavirus and spread rapidly through that contained uh, high density environment. So what do you think about that and how will that impact the industry? So I want to go bigger before I go narrow. I think that COVID-19 will impact everything going forward and People will be virus averse. I mean, will we go back to handshaking in business? I think so. Um, will we go back to large gatherings? I think so. Um, I feel for anyone in hospitality right now, and it absolutely has been a conversation in our household specifically about cruising. Uh, they, they are a full city on board. You could be there for a while. I would suggest that um, cruising as an industry has a reputation for catering to an older population who potentially, not that this is everyone, is a little less mobile. So it's easier to go to Europe and see it on a cruise than it is to walk around Rome for three days on yeah. cobblestone streets or in an assisted walking device. You know, So it's easier to go and look out your balcony at all these wonderful beaches than it is to go swim with the stingrays and you know stay in the beaches for time on time. So um, it also is a way of life when you get into longer cruises that is, is more elevated and typically um, people who have more means can go away for two weeks, whereas I can't take a two week vacation. And so um, I would suggest that cruises will come back. I think that it would be, it will be hard in hospitality anywhere, you know, um, resorts where you drive to maybe the first ones to come back. Yeah. Um, that I would say cruising and flying are going to have to address safety concerns about germs. Um, Part of my duties while I was on board was a star code team. So anytime there was an injury or a problem, I responded with the medical response team to soothe the family members. And one time that actually did involve um, a woman whose husband was not well, and we decided, not I, but whoever was in charge, decided that he was better off going on a helicopter to the nearest port than anything they could do to help him. And so I literally went back to her room and said, where are the suitcases? Where did you unpack things? What's in the safe? Where are your passports? Um, let's get you off. And, and she could not hold it together. And so I was, you know, her, her daughter for the five, 10 minutes that it took us to throw everything together, get a helicopter and take him off. I don't think that people should be on cruises on ventilators. Um, yeah. I, I'm not OCD, but it taught me a lot about washing my hands. <laughs> I'm an avid hand washer. Um, and I, I think that they will probably have to up that, but they were prepared for it in terms of, you know, 
every time that there was a, a Norwalk, you know, the person that changes, that cleans the elevators, starts at the top, goes to the bottom. As soon as they finish at the bottom, they go back to the top and they wipe everything down with bleach and ammonia. So you could be on a cruise and never see another person, um, but I'm not saying you couldn't be somewhere that someone else had touched something. So right. in particular, when Norwalk is going around cruise ships, they have different protocols such as they don't let crew members go visit other ships in port, which was important to me while my husband and I were on different ships. Yeah. We would not have been permitted if either ship had had Norwalk to go and see each other. Um, they institute additional protocols and asking people as they come on board, have you had any of these symptoms? And so my hope is that we get um, some recognition in antibodies, some recognition in potentially um, a vaccination and that those industries can come back. So um, I'm, I hope that they will be back uh, and really, you know, all of our small businesses and um, hospitality and, and, you know, F&B would, would really need all of this to be back up and running. So yeah. that's my hope. Well, I'm so happy you allowed me to ask that uh, last couple of questions, especially about the cruising, because that's been heavy on my mind. Um, first of all, no, I mean, like, you've taught me so much. This has been great. I love that question about the cruising because we did have um, a cruise ship here, and we know that this has been prevalent, uh, you know, on many, many cruise ships. And I, I will say that it has hurt the hospitality industry. Right here where I live in California, San Francisco Bay Area, we have had several hotels shut down. Um, and it's, you know, a big part of our economy is tourism. So mm -hmm. thank you, thank you for sharing the inside scoop on what it's like for the cruise industry right now, or at least from the perspective of a former uh, employee. So <laughs> yes. I, from Josie, the cruise director's mouth to our ears, folks, you are so amazing, but you knew I thought that before. I bet you anything, the listeners think it too now, and I'm so grateful that you were on the show today. I feel the same about you. This has been amazing and how fun to have a conversation. Well, folks, if you want to get in touch with Josie, I'll have her LinkedIn profile linked in the um, blog that I write after we hang up this podcast. So everybody knows that if you didn't get to write it down or even you missed her last name or whatever, I will have that in the blog on my website and we will share that within 48 hours. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. And Josie, thank you, especially to you for being you. That's so kind, Susan. Thank you again. Bye-bye. <laughs>